Hello everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Financial Views with Local Brews. In honor of Memorial Day coming up, I thought it'd be great to have a nice little interlude and share a beer with a great friend of mine, Philip Kuntz, former Navy SEAL Team 10 member. We talked about all the things that make up being a SEAL, going from the military to civilian life, and a lot of fun stories from his journey along the way. We'd like to thank all of our veterans for their service, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Financial Views with Local Brews. Here via Zoom from Indy to Colorado with uh, Phil Kuntz, former Navy SEAL. And I thought, what better way to kind of enjoy a beer over Zoom in honor of Memorial Day coming up? I thought it'd be special to have you on, Phil, as not just someone who's a former SEAL, but now as a as an author, a speaker, and now a business owner. And uh, to get things started, I wanted to try to find a local craft beer, because hence the name Financial Views with Local Brews, that I thought exemplified everything a seal is and uh so we have here uh indiana special daredevil brewing nice. uh, liftoff ipa so you guys have a certain uh daredevil to the work that you did previously and obviously liftoff i mean by air or by sea right so thanks for doing this man how are you that's right good 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 yeah we all have a little bit of daredevil in us uh, <laughs> help helps us help us helps us to stay on point with our job so good, go. good pick today good pick there you go. Well, I'll just jump right into it, man. I think, uh, yeah. you know, there's a certain kind of person that becomes a Navy SEAL. You know, yeah. what made you want to be a Navy SEAL? Yeah, so growing up, I was like that kid uh, who always dressed in camouflage clothes at school, and I, like, made weapons in the side yard. You know, like, I was <laughs> I was a little I was a little daredevil growing up, too. Um, and, you know, I did, I did corporate America for a while. I swam competitively from the age of 12 uh, through college, and uh, so I was recruited right out of Miami University uh, to, to take a marketing marketing job up in Wilton, Connecticut. And man, I'm, I'm telling you, corporate America is the only thing that's gotten me in my life. The only thing that I quit was corporate America. So I, I was there for about eight months and I'm like, I was 23 years old. I'm like, you know, have you ever seen uh, Office Space, right? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that was that was me stuck in the cubicle. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing? And I was like, I'm not going to wake up at 40, you know, with a midlife crisis, wondering what I'm doing with my life. So decided to punch my ticket and uh, join the military. I actually went over to the Army side first. Mm. Uh, I mentioned that in my book. And, uh, you know, as a cocky college grad there, uh, I come strolling in and they're like, yeah, you know, you have to do two years in the infantry before you can go to the Q course. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So I went over to the uh, to the Navy side, and with my swimming background and stuff, you know, that just made sense. And they're like, well, they uh, they dangled eight thousand dollars in my face, saying, hey, we'll give you an eight thousand dollar bonus because you have your college degree. And I'm like, done, done. You're like, you don't have to say anymore. So uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history, man. I, I I go into detail about it in my book, but uh, it was it was fun, a fun and wild ride for sure. Right on. Well, I think uh, you know. Obviously, the SEAL mystique, I think, uh, a popular topic that's always been a popular topic within the SEALs, especially from outsiders looking in, is is the is Hell Week and BUDS. You know, give us your perspective and looking back on it, how was your experience of, of Hell Week and BUDS? Yeah, geez, dude. Uh, I could go for like an hour alone just on that question. So <laughs> uh, my buzz class was 254. We started with 223 guys and uh, finished with 21. 
So the, uh, the attrition rates around 80, 90%, depending on what time of the year you go through. And uh, for the listeners right now who aren't familiar with buds, it's six months long of a, of a punch in the stomach every day. I guess I don't have to be very, uh, very um, <clears throat> PC in this one. Right. So it's a, no. it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a punch in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more it's a little bit more accurate but uh yeah first phase is grueling man hell week uh, generally falls around week four or week five of of first phase and uh that's where it, it starts on a sunday night and hell week secures the following friday afternoon so it's five and a half days uh without any sleep so five and a half days without any sleep it's just one evolution after another after another a lot of adversity thrown at us and uh, it, it's fascinating what the human body will do uh, due to sleep deprivation. You start to hallucinate, you know, around day two, day three. And, uh, you know, we, the human body needs three basic things in order to survive. We all need heat, sleep, and nutrition. And in buds, they take away two of those. So we're constantly cold and, and uh, wet. And then we're, we're tired as well, too. So, yeah, Hell Week is uh, – it's it's – it's, it's tough, dude. It's, it's, it's really rough. I uh, tore my IT band in, uh, in the middle of hell week and just kept powering through. And um, it really tests you to the core, you know, of, of who you are. So that's kind of first phase. Second phase is all about diving. So the next two months is about diving. So they teach us two diving systems, a open circuit system, which is scuba, and then a closed circuit system that doesn't emit any bubbles. And uh, that one's called mm. the Drager system. It's a, it's a German made rebreather. So that's what we use in the SEAL teams for our clandestine maritime operations. Uh, so that's what they teach us. Uh, the diving in second phase and the third phase is all about land warfare. So we uh, pick up some pistols and some rifles for the first time and uh, do some field training exercises, land navigation, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the, the way, way, way 50,000 foot view of buds. Uh, but, but Hell Week, man, it's, it's no joke. Actually, oh, I, I make it, I make a joke. So I'm a, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a presenter, right? I'm a, that's what I do for, for a living. So I'm, uh, I'm a life coach and a, and a public speaker. And I always make the joke that the, the, the Friday afternoon that hell week was secure is like the best weekend of my life. I'm like, Hey, don't tell my wife this, but uh, all we, well, all we got to do is just eat and sleep the entire week, uh, the entire weekend once hell week was secured. So I polished off a large Papa John's pizza, two McDonald's <laughs> Big Macs, a king size Snickers bar and, and a big thing of Gatorade dude. And then I like crashed out for 12 hours, you know, just sleeping and then it's rinse and repeat. So it's a, it's, it's a great weekend. You know, it's, it's your eye on the prize. It's, you know, it's, it's a, the light at the end of the tunnel. So. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, you mentioned that you had a swimming background and the high attrition rate that happens in the seals. I mean, what are the two types of, you know, I would say the, the strongest athletic types that make it through the seals the best, obviously I would assume swimming's one. What's another one. Yeah, great question. So ever since the, the Bush senior administration, uh, they've been trying to get more guys in through SF and they're trying to figure out, you know, where we come from, that sort of thing. So they did a, a million, like millions and millions of dollars of sociological study. And uh, they wanted to try to figure out, you know, who's got what it takes and where can they strategically recruit guys. Uh, so from from the uh, from their test, from from their study, they uh, were able to come up with two things. One is uh, the sports the two top sports that, that most guys uh, have participated in who make it through buds and then the general area of the country. So, uh, so this will make you pleased that the, uh, the general area of the country that most seals come from that graduates the Midwest. And uh, I was born and raised in Cincinnati. So go Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, Midwest and then swimming, you nailed it. Swimming is one. And then the other one was, was actually wrestling. So two, like just really grueling sports that teach you a lot of discipline, hard work and grit. Sure. I got, you know, I can see the wrestling thing as well as the swimming because the fatigue factor, but also the mental capacity of having to either cut weight or you just the endurance yep. that you need to swim. So those are, yep. those are interesting yep. aspects. Uh, as far as your role within the SEAL teams, what was, uh, what was your role on the team that you were on and what was your primary objective when you went out? Yeah. So uh, I was on SEAL team 10. So all the even number teams are on the East Coast, stationed right there in Little Creek Amphib Base. All the odd number teams are on the West Coast, right there in Coronado, California. So I was on SEAL Team 10, so I was right there on, on the East Coast. And uh, there's four main jobs in the SEAL teams. Uh, the first one's a sniper. The second one is a comms guy or communications guy. Third is uh, a corpsman or a medic. And then the fourth one, uh, which is what I was, I was a breacher. And uh, so a breacher's job was, was to get my boys on target as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So uh, for us, we, we carried a lot of tools, you know, and, and uh, so we have shotguns, you know, that shoot through door hinges and door frames. We had slap charges to blow through doors and we carried shape charges. And uh, so like Osama bin Laden, for example, he had three foot thick reinforced concrete walls, right? So you, you got to get through there somehow. So lots of explosive charges. Uh, we carried torches that burned at 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit easily could melt through two to three inches of, of thick steel. If we're like taking down a ship, you know, a lot of those oh, wow. ship, ship hatches are, are a real thick steel. Um, what else did we have? We had uh, quickie saws that could chew through iron bars, iron gates, uh, bolt cutters, sledgehammers, man, you name it. We even got to lock pick for like the really clandestine missions. We could, we learned how to pick locks. So, uh, so that was, that was fun. And, and I joke around, I was like, I never, I never had the patience. I'm too ADD to be a sniper. I couldn't just sit in a field for hours at a time, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. get bored and stand up and start stretching and get shot at. Right. And oh, wow. uh, I didn't have the, I didn't have the the brains to program radios as a comms guy. You know, I never went through 18 Delta, which is our medical school. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I can blow stuff up. You know, I can destroy <laughs> stuff. Right. So I think we all so, would love that job. Hey, let's let me yeah, blow right. things up. Right, right, right. So it was great, man. It was, it was a lot of fun being a breacher. Sweet. Now you mentioned that you're obviously a public speaker and, you know, I've had you in a couple of times during my wholesaling days to, to present to the group. And there's one presentation that stands out and I think it's uh, it's it's got a, a lot of meaning behind it. So I'd love to get your perspective. You know, one of your presentations was, uh, you know, don't ring the bell, you know. So what is that? What is that yep. presentation and or uh, subject line mean to you as well as the SEAL community? Yeah. Yeah. So we encourage each other all the time to, to earn your trident every single day. So uh, the, the presentation you're referring to is uh, overcoming adversity. It's actually one that's been really, really popular over the last 15 months. Obviously we've, we've gone through a lot of adversity, man, with sure. the pandemic and Corona, you know, for the last 15 months. So um, in that presentation, I talk about my five P's that really kind of encompass incorporate uh, what it really means and looks like to overcome adversity, both like in the SEAL teams and in, in, uh, in, in our lives, in our civilian lives, in our personal lives. So I talk about the power of preparation. I talk about positivity, how uh, positivity is actually uh, a learned behavior. You know, we can form and train our neurological uh, pathways in our brain, you know, to think more positively, look at the, the silver lining in our events. Uh, and then I talk about uh, being uh, just our pack, like who you surround yourself with. 
I talk about perseverance, you know, this too shall pass kind of mentality. And then the last one is progress and the role that progress plays in overcoming adversity, even in the midst of us failing, even in the midst of mistakes, you know, not looking at ourselves as a, as a failure, but, but failing and, and moving, you know, lessons learned, moving forward despite uh, difficulties and setbacks. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I, there's a quote that I learned from Dr. John Rhodes. He was a colleague of mine at CNL Securities, and he always said it's about progress, not perfection. And I think that's such a strong message to not just do in business, but also in in your life and your family life, et cetera, you know? And uh, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, uh, well, with this being a a beer podcast for, for, you know, first and foremost, I'd I'd be amiss if I didn't ask you sitting there in Denver, Colorado, what are some of the, some of the favorite uh, local establishment beers that you have out there and, and maybe one that you got uh, in front of you right now, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, well, as, as probably most of the listeners know, Colorado is known for microbreweries. We got one on like every corner, like, like New York has Starbucks, you know, like on every corner. So, right. uh, so they do really, they do really well out here. Uh, I'm in Monument, Colorado with my wife and five kids. And so we've got a local brewery called Pike's Peak Brewery. And uh, they do a really good job of, uh, of really producing some great microbrews. So I picked up a, a sample pack uh, today. Uh, the first one, which is my favorite, is uh, Elephant Rock. So I actually live on the street where Elephant Rock is. It's a big rock that literally looks like an elephant. Uh, so this is an India Pale Ale that uh, I enjoy. Uh, there's another one called Thin Ale. It's another Indian Pale Ale. I've been on an IPA kick lately, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm all about like the IPAs and the Pale Ales. Um, here's another one. It's called the Incline. So we're known in Pikes Peak for the Incline. So sure. they named that one after the Incline there. And then the last one, which is a, high, a hazy IPA called uh, Oceans of Clouds. So it's, uh, it's a great microbrewery. Uh, there's a few of us team guys. There's like 20 retired Navy SEALs that live around this area. So we all get together at uh, Pike Peak Brewery, enjoy a, uh, a beer, and, and uh, just hang out together. So it's a, it's a good one. So Right on, man. Well, thanks for sharing. I think, yeah. um, you know, I think uh, one of the things as of late uh, – well, maybe not as of late, but just historically is that, you know, once you are done with the SEALs, you transition to civilian life, you know, and, you know, when I sit down to educate and guide and counsel my clients, I always come from a perspective that there's just four challenges that we need to overcome to create spendable wealth, whether it's just getting you organized or identifying yeah. lost opportunities. As you see, as you sit from uh, someone yourself, Phil, a transition from being a Navy SEAL to now being to civilian life, what are, what are some of the challenges that um, a career military person would have as they try to transition to civilian life? Yeah, great question, man. Um, for me personally, you know, when I got out, it took about probably a year and a half or so for the dust to kind of settle, you know, within me and in the SEAL teams, man, we, we channel aggression. Like we use anger and aggression, uh, during our close quarter combat, you know, during our missions when we're amped up, you know, and getting the job done. Uh, and it took a while, but, but it, it kind of seemed like that, that aggression, that anger was kind of rising to the surface, you know? And I'm like, what? Like I, I'd be tying my shoe and I'd mess up, you know, I get all pissed off, you know, or, or my kids would do something, you know, and I get upset and I'm like, this isn't me, you know, like what's, what's going on. So for me, it was, it was, uh, not only like the PTSD stuff, but also just, you know, anger that was, that was surfacing again all over. And, and it was like, you know, bleeding into my family and my everyday life. So, man, I, I had to humble myself and I went to a counselor, you know, I went to a psychologist and a psychiatrist as well. And, 
uh, learned some new tools, you know, that, that I incorporate even today. And that was probably, gosh, maybe six years ago, seven years ago, and uh, gotten a lot better uh, since, since then, for sure. Uh, and, and teach other veterans what I've learned as well. But it's, it's hard. It's hard. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's a new medical diagnosis that just came out. It's called operator syndrome. Mm. And uh, the medical community is, is they're, uh, they're seeing a lot of these Navy SEALs that are coming out. And we all have five kind of characteristics, five medical conditions that are all kind of working against each other, you know, to incorporate this this operator syndrome, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, diagnosis. And so, uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's TBI sleep apnea, PTSD, really low testosterone, like real low kind of lethargic, just, you know, moving through mud every day, a lot of joint pain. So there's just a lot of things that we all have in common and, and, uh, they're really doing a good job of, of tackling that. And I'm, in, I'm involved with SFF, which is seal future foundation, uh, by the way, got to give them a plug, like one of the best nonprofit organizations out there. And they specifically target SEALs and the guys getting out and really providing the help and support that they need. Because most operators, they get out and about 12 months later, uh, they're, they're experiencing these signs and symptoms and they're wondering like, what's going on? You know, and a lot of them are falling into depression and kind of suicidal thoughts. And uh, they're just in a bad place, you know, and, and they're just not real sure how to how to get help. So SFF, Seal Future Foundations, really at the front lines, you know, they're a front runner and making sure that a lot of us team guys are getting what we need, uh, the help and support that we need to, to be able to, like you said, make that transition a little bit better. Gotcha. That, well, that's a great organization. Thanks for, you yeah. know, putting them out there. As a, you know, you mentioned, you know, guys getting together at the brewery. How, do you guys stay connected to the SEAL community after you've transitioned out? Do you guys still meet up for, you know, you just mentioned 20 guys get together at a brewery. Is that, is that a common thread throughout the SEAL community as guys that are in similar locations try to stay connected with each other? And as the, does the, does the, you know, the current SEAL guys reach out to the old guys, et cetera? Yeah. Uh, kind of hit and miss just depends on, on the area that you're at out, out here in Colorado. It seems like there's a, there's a lot, a lot of team guys that move out here to Colorado, you know, it's, it's the outdoors, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really active out here. So, um, I'd say yes and no, just depending on where they're at, you know, some guys get out and they just want to fly underneath the radar, you know, and they're like school teachers or bus drivers, or, you know, even like financial planners, you know, financial advisors and, um, but, but yeah, I'd say for the most part, there's a, there's a chapter in every major city around the country that gets together, especially during holidays and stuff like that. And, and it really try to, to keep the brotherhood, keep the camaraderie going and help support each other, help lift each other up. Um, and, you know, despite the times that we're in and, you know, what we're kind of going through. So we really try to do a good job of, of keeping uh, Lincoln arms, you know, like in hell week and buds, you know, we get surf sure. tortured and we're, we're, we're sitting there like in a big long line laying in the ocean with arms linked together, you know, and dying of hypothermia, you know, the waves are crashing over us. The water's freezing. We're jackhammering cause we're so cold. And, you know, it's, it's the same mentality. It's linking arms with our brothers nowadays and, and supporting each other uh, through whatever challenges we go through, whether they're like new dads or transitioning with jobs or just getting out and figuring out, you know, what the heck do I do now with my life? And I remember when I got out in 2009, I was honorably discharged in 2009. I'm like, man, what am I going to do now? You know, like I've got this niche set, like I can kill people. <laughs> like, that's not 
we don't want that. Much, so. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help me much. So, you know, I was like, I can be like, you know, like a hired hitman, you know, or like, you know, PTSD or a personal security detail kind of thing. But um, so as guys get out, you know, they have to really figure out, like, what are my giftings and my talents and my skill sets, you know, and how can mm-hmm. I how can I incorporate those into uh, really giving back to community and being a, a positive uh, contribution to society? Fantastic. And what, what principles have you taken from the SEALs as you now have moved on in your professional and business life, whether it's as an author, as a speaker, or now what you're doing with the new, with the new knife business, you can share some thoughts on that. would love to love to hear how you've taken these principles into what you're doing as a, as a current business owner and you're speaking in, in, in books that you've written. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the whole mentality of keep pressing through, you know, no matter what, what's going on, just don't quit that earn your trident every day kind of mentality, uh, waking up every day, positive thinking, that sort of thing. Uh, when the going gets rough, knowing that, uh, you know, this too shall pass kind of mentality that I have to cling to. And, you know, sometimes like I've, I've battled with, with depression before I had a, a former wife who passed away of, of breast cancer, actually, while I was in buds, you probably remember my story from when yeah. I, I spoke. Um, and, you know, sometimes just getting out of bed in the morning is, seems like too big of a chore, you know, like sometimes just looking at the day as a whole seems too overwhelming. So, you know, sometimes I have to break down my day into smaller goals in order to feel more productive, just to feel more successful, to feel better about myself, you know, rather than looking at what do I have next day, you know, tomorrow or the next day or next week kind of thing. So breaking my day down into bite-sized pieces or smaller goals is, you know, really helpful. And that I, I do a lot of training with special forces candidates. And that's what I, I, I that's what I tell them. Inevitably, in, they, they ask me one question and that is like, Hey, what's the one piece of advice, Phil, you can give us, you know, to really help us through. And I'm like, man, just take it one meal at a time. You know, you wake up at four o'clock in the morning, just make it to breakfast at seven o'clock. And then at breakfast, just make it to lunch at noon and then just make it to dinner at five o'clock. Then make it to mid rations around one, two o'clock in the morning. Just take it one meal at a time and it helps them really stay laser focused on that goal. Um, and then before you know it, you look back and you're like, wow, I've actually covered a lot of ground. You're like, I've made it, I've made it, you know, several days or a few weeks and, and I'm still, my heartbeat is, uh, it's still ticking, you know, I'm still doing well. So I've had to incorporate that over the last 15 months for sure uh, with my life coaching business, with my speaking business. Um, you know, another thing that comes to my mind too is just the, uh, the adaptability, adaptability. So uh, the Harvard Business Review just came out with a new report. And what they did was they they actually interviewed 250 CEOs, the top Fortune 500 companies. And the one thing that they all came back with was like the crucial element of their success, especially during the pandemic, was adaptability. So how are we going to adapt to the current culture, to the current problems and obstacles that we're facing? Uh, So adaptability is huge too. And carrying that into my, my new knife business, man, I've been drinking through a fire hose the last two weeks and my stress level, anxiety level is high, man. There's a lot to do with e-commerce. Um, but yeah, the knife business is, it's going great so far. There's a lot of working parts, a lot of moving parts, but, uh, it's good. So it's, it's called karambit.com. And, uh, this is my karambit. Here's the, the bigger view. This is what I actually carried in the steel teams as my personal carry, my everyday. And that's what I carry now is my everyday carry. So it looks like a raptor claw. This is called a, a hawk bill shaped knife. 
Uh, great everyday carry, um, amazing for, for self-defense. So this is the Fox 479. We got a smaller one, which is a, a Fox 599, but we've got about a hundred products on karambit.com uh, that people can go to and pick up their, uh, their, their weapon of choice. Fantastic, man. That's my, beautiful. My, I mean, Jeff, um... my, 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 my tagline for, uh, for Karambit is, uh, it's Karambit Tactical Knives, the only knife you bring to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I yeah, love it, man. Yeah. Hopefully it's I, so that's going to get some man. traction, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me ask you about this. So uh, public personas of, of SEALs have become something over the last many years, whether it's yeah. uh, some going into politics like uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw from Texas, whether it's yeah. you know O'Neill from being with the Osama bin Laden raid or guys like Jocko Willink and Andy Stumpf, guys like this. You know, before, maybe like 15, 20 years ago, we never really saw kind of seals out in front as public figures or speakers or whatnot. How has the community changed or whether they fought it or, or not, whether, you know, guys that are public now and speaking about the different things of the seal seal trades or whatnot, has there any been any pushback or blowback from the, from the prior communities to say, you know, yeah. we never used to do this. Why is it becoming such a thing now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're still known as the silent warriors. You know, that's an ethos that we've got. Um, there's some guys that get pushed back, you know, O'Neill got some pushback from the community for sure, but, but most of the times they get pushed back because uh, they're sharing things within that, within that, that five-year OPSEC or operational security window that we're not mm -hmm. supposed to share. So you just have to be careful with what you share, but I mean, life lessons learned is, is huge, you know, in the SEAL teams and carrying that over to sports teams, uh, that I speak to or Boy Scout troops, Girl Scout troops, uh, to parents, you know, to, uh, to churches even, you know, and, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's important to, uh, to really take some of the, the lessons that we've learned as Navy SEALs that have been forged through the fire and help to motivate and encourage and, and, uh, and challenge people to, uh, to become like a, a 2.0 version of themselves. So, you know, they, it depends on what you share, you know, but there are a lot of public figures, you know, myself included, um, and just so long as you're you're kind of within that 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 confines of your your you know your lane of fire, if you, if you're just sharing stuff that's that's appropriate, then uh, then then yeah, it's it's good, it's good. And two, I think the direct contribution to the the recent increase in, in some of the public figures uh, has been because of the media, has been because of social media, it's been because of of Hollywood. Uh, you know, Hollywood does a really good job of portraying the the missions of seals a little too good of a job. If you ask me, you know, like they've got, they, they've got active duty Navy SEALs right there on set that are teaching them and showing them SOPs our standard operating procedures. And I'm kind of sitting here scratching my head. Like you guys realize that Americans aren't the only ones that are watching these movies. Right. I mean, we're kind of mm -hmm. giving away some of, some of uh, our, our secrets, you know, on the big screen. Uh, and so one day I'm like, you know what? Hollywood doesn't really do an accurate job of betraying what an average day in the life of a Navy SEAL looks like. And, and I calculated out uh, the, the amount of time that we are boots on the ground conducting missions. And that's only 3% of our time is actually boots on the ground uh, doing our missions, which, which is what Hollywood captures. Cause they want to make, you know, a cool, sexy Hollywood, you know, sure. movie and stuff and sell them, you know, make a lot of money. And, and I get it. Um, so that was one of the, the the impetus for my book, the truth behind my trident. I got a copy here. So yeah, what my yeah, what my desire was in this, I basically wrote the book that I wish that I would have read before going through. 
you know, and, and it wouldn't have changed my mind. It just would have helped me go, kind of go in with eyes wide open, you know, more, more wide open kind of thing. So my, my attempt in, in my book is to pull back the curtain and show uh, the, the, the civilian society what an average day in the life of the Navy SEAL looks like and all the preparation that we go through uh, in order to do our jobs well. And we've got, we've got a 95% success rate as Navy SEALs, me- meaning that we get our guy 95% of the time. Mm. Uh, so, and, but that's largely due to you know, the amount of training and all the preparation and our ability to overcome adversity. Good stuff. Well, I, I've definitely got into Jack Carr's books as of late with his character Reese. Those are uh, those are some <laughs> guy yeah. on a warpath type of books, man. They're very right. very interesting, man. Um, yeah. Well, good. Well, let me ask you this: is you know, obviously the community is very strong within. You said you said you have regional packs and whatnot for those for those new guys that are coming into the buds right now, and you have your book there as kind of like the how to guide. You know, uh, is there any kind of how to guide that can circle back to your personal experience on how to exit? I know we've kind of talked about transitioning to civilian life, but it seems it's becoming more and more of a thing for not just SEALs, but the military as a whole. Um, how good is the is the is the current environment good with taking care of guys as they kind of transition out and circle back on that? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So, I mean, I would just encourage guys, no matter what branch of the service that you're in, get involved with, with local communities, uh, with, with nonprofits. It's, uh, I mean, it's the age old, it's better to give than receive. And it really is, you know, when you're able to give back to, to guys, it's, uh, it's really rewarding. And, you know, most of the veterans out there, they just want somebody to talk to, Mm. you know, and they want somebody who's been in it and who has done it before, you know, just to, just to talk with, just to develop a relationship with. And uh, so it's just important. It's important to, uh, to listen really well, you know, to veterans and they have stories to tell and, and uh, it's important to listen to them and, and uh, really just kind of be in the foxhole with them, so to speak. Uh, so that's one. Number two is, is get involved with your VA. You know, I think the VA is doing a better job. You know, so we're not perfect. Uh, they're not perfect out there. It's a big, big green machine, you know, but it's uh, the, they're doing better. And so get involved with the VA because they can provide the mental care and the physical care for you. Um, I go to, I go to new life church, uh, a local church out here. I'm involved in the military ministry. Uh, we've got something called reboot that's for combat veterans, you know, and it addresses some of the spiritual wounds of war as well too. So even getting involved in like a local faith community, you know, to help, uh, surround yourself with, with veterans, you know, who have been, uh, in the stuff kind of, you know, similar stuff, similar scenarios that, that they've been in. It's, uh, and encourage one another. It's huge. Fantastic. Well, I see you got some some interesting uh, items sitting around you there on uh, in your in your room there. Enlighten yeah. me. What do we got behind you there? Yeah. So uh, as Navy SEALs, we actually have three lines of gear uh, that we've got, you know, and, and so the first line is just our is like our uniforms and anything that you could keep in your pockets. So, again, I have my karambit in my pocket. We have our blowout kit in our right cargo pocket. Every Navy SEALs combat medically trained in order to really control four vital aspects of emergency medical care, our, our airway, breathing, uh, tension pneumothorax, which is what happens if you get shot in the chest, you know, your, your lungs collapse and you suffocate, uh, and then shock. So, you know, we, we've got our blood kit and our call signs and our, our blood chits as well too, uh, CHIT blood chit. Um, that's, uh, that's like what, according to the Geneva Convention, that's what we have to, to wear on us at all times. And it's basically just a piece of cloth that says in like a bunch of different languages 
depending on what theater of the world you're operating in, says, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'm a United States soldier. And if, if you're reading this right now, uh, the U.S. will pay you a lot of money to take good care of us. So I, I joke around. It's kind of like uh, the government's insurance policy on us as SEALs. So that's kind of our first line of gear is our, is our uniforms. Second line of gear is, is our H gear and body armor. And that's what I've got behind me. So this is my H gear that I wore for my second deployment. This is just a, a chest rig or a harness. Mm. It's got uh, it's got pockets here for for magazines for our M4, which is our primary weapon, uh, our Sig 226, which is our secondary weapon. Uh, so seals only carry uh, you know seven mags, you know, and each mag's got 30 rounds. So we don't we don't really have a whole lot of ammunition. So a lot of people don't know this, but a, a seal team can really only sustain an active firefight for about five minutes, five to ten minutes before we're calling wow, an air five, support. Ten minutes. Yep. And, uh, but, you know, we don't get in firefights all that often because we're maintaining the element of surprise, right? Uh, mm. Oftentimes, so we went on 78 combat missions uh, in the, for my second deployment in, on SEAL Team 10 in Baghdad. And, you know, we're grabbing guys out of their bed before they even realize that we're there kind of thing, you know? So oftentimes we don't, we don't really discharge our weapons all that much, which is, which is great because we're so well-trained. But um, so anyways, uh, this is my chest rig. This is my rubber weapon here, my, my uh, SIG 226. This is my, uh, my, my dummy SIG 226, and it would go right here in uh, in this holster. And uh, we had pockets to the left and the right for grenades uh, or maps or, or tourniquets, anything that we would keep uh, in our pockets. And then this set of H gear was re- really pretty unique because it actually held inside of it uh, both sets of our body armor. And uh, I've got my body armor here with me. So we got two sets of our body armor. This is our, our soft armor, and this is what a lot of local law enforcement use. So it's pretty light, you know, it's bendable. Uh, just by itself, uh, this, uh, this soft body armor can stop a nine millimeter bullet. This is my, uh, my dummy nine millimeter bullet there. Wow. Uh, then our, our hard plates, these are uh, made out of Kevlar, definitely a lot heavier, about 10 to 15 pounds. Uh, so a lot of people are like, well, how much weight are you actually carrying as a seal? Yeah, that was so, my next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you're carrying your M4, you're about 50 pounds heavier. If you've uh, if you've got the Pig, which is our Mark uh, 47, or it's its older brother, Mark 48, that's our machine gun. Shoots a 5.56 round and a 7.62 round. You're about 80 pounds heavier because you've mm-hmm. got a thousand rounds on. You got 200 rounds in the gun, 200 rounds in your right pocket, 200 rounds in your left pocket an additional uh, 600 rounds in, uh, in your backpack. So about a thousand rounds. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. It adds up fast, but, but make no mistake, man. It's, it's the best gun to have in a firefight because you're just unloading, you know? So, uh, so our hard plate by itself is designed to stop a five, five, six round, which is what uh, is shot out of our, our, uh, our M4s. And then when worn together, which is what we're supposed to do, uh, both of those are designed to stop a 762 round. There's my dummy 762 round, which is what the bad guys shoot out of the AK 47s. So that's kind of our second line of gear. And then our third line of gear is, uh, is anything that we could keep in our backpacks. So I mentioned to you, there's four main jobs in the SEAL team. So depending on what your job is, we'll determine what's in your backpack. We've got a lot of water on target because we have to stay hydrated. And then, uh, and then this bad boy in uh, right behind my left shoulder here. This is uh, this is our Law Rocket, and uh, Law stands for Light Anti-Tank Weapon. Uh, this is a one and done. This is already expended. So uh, don't worry, Jeff. I'm not going to put a, a hole in the side of my house. <laughs> but you pull the pin. You pull the pin out of it a lot like a grenade. Uh, the the shoulder. 
uh, pad kind of kind of falls down. You arm it by just pulling it back like that, uh, and then it's got like a little sight aperture on it right there. And uh, you have to check your back blast area, make sure none of the your your boys are right behind you. Uh, put this against your shoulder, and uh, you yell "Rocket out!" Pull the trigger, and the bad guys go running. So, uh, so these are Man. these are really nice. Uh, they fit very conveniently in our backpack as well, too. So. Um, so SEAL Team 10, with the team that I was on, we have about 130 active duty Navy SEALs uh, per team. So there's about 1,200 active duty Navy SEALs right now, boots on the ground, keeping us safe, man, so we can drink some beers and have a good time together. Uh, and, then, and then of that 130 guys on SEAL Team 10, each one was divided into three task units. So we've got about 35 guys per task unit, and then each task unit is divided into two platoons. So if you can kind of look at it as like a, uh, as like a, a hierarchy. So we got Alpha and Bravo and task unit one, Charlie Delta, task unit two, Echo and Foxtrot. And Foxtrot's where they stuck, uh, is where they, they put me uh, in Foxtrot platoon of task unit three of SEAL Team 10. So there's about, there's about 20 guys or so, 17, 18 guys, both officers and enlisted per platoon. And within that platoon, I'd say probably at least seven of us were carrying law rockets with us and all other kinds of tools and, and uh, gadgets and bells and whistles to, uh, to get the job done. Perfect. That's beautiful, man. All right. Last question for you. You know, uh, first off, I greatly appreciate you sitting down today, uh, especially as we approach Memorial Day, man. I want to thank you first and foremost for your service and uh, got to know your family well over the years. And, uh, you know, uh, working with your dad before and and uh, but here's my last question. So when I sit down with with clients and prospects for the first time, I often ask them, you know, I like to look at a three year time frame. So if I say if we were to sit down three years from now. What would need to happen, whether it's professionally, financially, emotionally, where we can look back on our time spent together as valuable, that's to say that we're on the right path. So as it applies to you, Phil, if we're if we were going to sit down three years from now, do another podcast, same thing. What what would need to take place where we could look back on and say, hey, business, professionally, financially, emotionally, we're I'm I'm in the I'm in green space, man. I'm doing well. Yeah. Uh drinking lots of beer, first and foremost. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers, bro. Cheers. Um, uh, really, I mean, it's just every single day, it's seeking to improve myself. You know, every single day is asking myself, you know, how can I get better? Um, and the SEAL teams actually over the last about 15, about 15, 20 years ago, we started to incorporate something called an AAR. Uh, and that's an after action review. And man, that's really helped us as a SEAL community step up our game. And so I'm always conducting an AAR. We actually do it after every single live fire mission and after every single uh, real life you know, mission that we go on. Uh, we, we circle back together before we're you know, uh, getting some food or taking a nap or taking care of our gear, all that stuff. We circle back together as a team and we ask ourselves three basic questions. Uh, and that is what went right, what went wrong, and how can I improve? And that's really helped us as a SEAL community to, uh, to maintain that humble learning posture uh, to, and really help us kind of stay on our game. So uh, constantly going through AARs for me, I think, is going to help me keep me at my best. Uh, in three years, I'd love to still be crushing it with public speaking. I've done over 100 virtual presentations over the last uh, 15 months. I actually have a couple in-person ones now coming next month. I'll be in uh, Nashville 
and uh, and then up in Minnesota, and you know the dust is starting to settle. So that's nice, man. It's going to be so, going to be yeah. nice to actually hear people people laughing on the other end. You know, I'm telling jokes right now, and I'm like, man, it's crickets right now. I hope people are laughing at my jokes. So, uh, you know, so still crushing it, like in the in the public speaking uh, realm, still changing lives through my my life coaching and business coaching practice. And then with Karambit, we want to be debt free in about uh, three to four years and and really doing well and growing and getting government contracts and and uh, really expanding our reach around around the, the globe, actually. So so that's my goal, man, my three to five year plan. So that's beautiful, Phil. Well, where can people find you if they want to bring you in for as a speaker? They want to check out your books or Karambit, where can they find you? Yep. All of that is on my website. It's Phil Kuntz, P-H-I-L-K-O-O-N-T-Z, philkuntz.com. And then uh, with Karambit, it's karambit.com. And uh, I'll, I'll do one more shameless plug for my Karambit because I love it. <laughs> Bring it on out, man. Yeah, Karambit. Man, that is a nasty so looking K- knife, man. That could do some know, damage, I'm sure. It is. Yep. So it's K-A-R-A-M-B-I-T, karambit.com. Uh, that's where they can find us. So That's fantastic, Phil. Well, thank you again yep. for sitting down for this. Uh, It was was great talking to you. Um, I think, uh, you know, for all myself and listeners out there that just want to say thank you for your service, man. We appreciate it, especially as we approach Memorial Day coming up here at the end of the month. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Look forward to talking with you soon. Awesome, my friend. Thanks, Jeff, for having me on, man. Uh, And everybody have a great day and God bless you. Fantastic. There we go, folks. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. For future episodes, please visit our website at www.financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also visit us on our YouTube channel by the same name and all of our social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Thanks again for joining us. And as always, cheers. The next round's on me. Bye, everyone.